are called to be people of purpose and destiny. But destiny doesn't mean you don't have to deal with dysfunction. Destiny means you need to have the courage to confront some things and say, you know what? I want God to be honored, not just in spite of, but I want him to be honored because. Before Joseph was a man of destiny, he was a boy who faced defeat and dysfunction. Hello and thanks for stopping by for today's Destined for Victory with Pastor Paul Shepard. If you are struggling today with the pain of your past, Pastor Paul wants you to remember two important truths. First, you're still a person of divine destiny. And second, you're not alone. Joseph had periods of dysfunction and defeat in his own life, the seeds of which were sown long before he was born, not only by his father Jacob, but by his father before him. Joseph's story comes your way next, so stay with us. Or visit PastorPaul.net to listen anytime on demand. And subscribe to the podcast at Google, at Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. But right now, here's Pastor Paul with today's Destined for Victory message, Destined but Dysfunctional. You remember what happened when Isaac and Rebecca had their children? God gave them twins. And in Genesis 26, you see that God blesses them with twins, but he tells them there is a war going on between these two nations represented in your womb. There's a war going on. In fact, there's going to be an upheaval because the normal pattern is going to be turned upside down and the older will serve the younger. And you know what that meant. That meant that Esau and Jacob were going to get into it. And they came and Esau came out first. And just as God had said, the war already had started in their womb because when Esau came out and the other babies coming, Jacob had hold of Esau coming out. They already started fighting in the womb. So now you got a new problem to confront. You got sibling rivalry. You know the story of when they grew up, Esau became a man of the open country. He loved hunting and all of that. He was an outdoorsman. Jacob, on the other hand, was tricky. In fact, his very name means trickster, deceiver, supplanter. In modern terms, con artist. And one day, you know the story, Esau comes in famished, dehydrated, feeling like he's about to die. And sees his brother cooking stew. And he said, man, I'm about to die. Please give me some of that stew. Jacob says, sure, I'll give you some stew, but give me your birthright. See, Esau was the oldest. He had come out first. So he would normally inherit the birthright. He would get twice the inheritance of his brother. And he would carry the family name into the next generation. But instead, he's now being sold a bowl of stew for a lifetime of provision. You know, some folk are so good at being sneaky and slick that they can make anything sound good and listen some of you all I know you look holy got your big bible but some of you have that kind of dysfunction in your life right now you got that slippery sneaky way of doing business you know how to sell any old bag of goods some of you all could sell sand in the Sahara desert you just have that ability to get over on people and make people feel they are getting the best deal that's something you got to confront 
Sure, Esau shouldn't have caved in. Sure, you ought to recognize nothing is worth a moment of personal satisfaction as it compares with a lifetime of blessing. And you've heard me talk about that thing before. I preached a sermon called Don't Sell Out for Stew. I don't care what the devil shows you. If it's not God's plan, it's not going to last. It's not going to give you a lifetime of blessing. You got to learn stew when you see it. Don't sell out for stew. I've told single sisters over the years, that's running by me. I've been pastoring long enough. I can see stew afar off. Just walking past me. While he's walking past, I just look at you and say, goes both ways. Every now and then, a man will bring a woman. She all fine and built and all that stuff. Y'all just walk her past me. I tell you, brother. (laughs) So we have to learn and confront those kinds of things. If you have that kind of dysfunction going on in your life, God can use you, but he'll never excuse slipperiness and sneakiness. You got to learn to let your yay be yay. You got to learn to make good decisions. Sure, Esau shouldn't have caved in, but Jacob should have been the kind of person who had too much love, too much integrity to sell his brother a bag of goods. We have to learn to confront that stuff about ourselves. You got to learn, you who are in sales, I'm so glad I know a lot of godly people in sales who do sales right, who represent the cause properly. I love that. Thank God for spirit-filled, God-loving salespeople because the other kind get on my last nerve. I can't stand it when somebody insults my intelligence trying to act like you're giving me a good deal and I know good and well it's not. I can't take it. Never forget, years ago, when the church was small and I didn't have staff, I had to do everything, and we needed to buy a church van, our first church van, and uh, we had put the money together and what have you, and our uh, treasurer signed the check, said, Pastor, just go on and get the van that we need and what have you, and so I did my little research, found out who had the size passenger vans that we need, and there were a couple of different uh, dealerships, two different makes that had exactly what I was looking for, and I said, all right, I'm going to go out there, and I was so thrilled that I was going to be able to buy a vehicle cash. I had never done that in my life, and this was for the church, but I still was going to get the thrill of making the purchase. And I was excited because I had always to that point been held captive by people who because they knew I needed the financing and all that, they were going to do all that finagling and carrying on. And I said, finally, I can go in here and tell them I'm paying cash. I don't want any nonsense. Give me my van. I went to the first place, walked up, had somebody drop me off because I was planning to drive off that day. And so, well, they stayed to make sure I did the deal. And so I walked in and the salesman met me and I told him I'm a pastor and I'm here to buy a passenger van for our church. And he said, all right, well, come on, let me show you what I have. He took me out there. That was what I was looking for. I said, yes, sir. And so while we were walking back toward his office, I said, now, sir, I need you to understand something. Said, I am buying this with the church's money cash today. I have the church check today. I want to buy it today. What I don't want is a whole lot of finagling. I said, sir, I need you to understand something. I want us to find a good deal. I want you to give my church a good deal on this. I don't want to work from the sticker down. I want to work from the invoice a little up. And I don't plan on going that far up. I said, so please, sir, please understand that up front. I don't need a whole lot of who shot John, whole lot of all of that. 
He said, I understand. We sat down in his office and he started with the sticker. I said, no, sir, I'm not working from the sticker. We're working from the invoice. I need you to go get me an invoice. And so finally he said, all right. And so I finally, because it took a little while, but I got into the invoice and we started working up. And I said, all right, I want to pay about this number of dollars above the invoice. That's what I believe is a good deal. It'll get you your commission, get your dealership the money y'all need to make, and it'll get my church the van. And so I gave him a good price. I had already done my research. I said, that will work. He said, no, we need to go high. And he started finagling. I said, sir, this is about what I'm willing to pay. And he said, all right, well, let me hold on a second. He went out to the office, came back in. I just talked to my manager and he and they were still up here somewhere. I said, sir, I told you I don't want all of this. I said, all right, here's the price I'm willing to pay. And he started the, all that stuff again. And then he got back up, said, wait just a minute. When he came in this time, he came in with another man. By that time, I was packing my stuff up. And I said, I told you when I first, now see, you just blew a commission. I was getting ready to bless you with commission. Now you got to go home, tell your wife you didn't sell a van today. You didn't sell a van today because the pastor told you not to fool with him and you kept on messing with him. I said, I'm going down the street. The other dealership was on the same street, less than a mile away, a different type of vehicle. I said, I'm going down the street, and unless they monkey with me, if y'all stand outside, you will see me drive past. I told you not to do that. Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, we understand. I said, no, it's too late. And I was walking out, and they were finding, is there anything we can do? I said, no, there's nothing you can do. I don't need all of that. Give me the fair deal up front. And let's be men. Let's do this business right. Listen, if some of you have that slick tendency in your life, he's called you according to his purpose, but he doesn't plan to use you slick and sly. So you got to learn to confront that dysfunction. And Jacob messed up his relationship with his brother Esau so badly that for decades, Esau wanted nothing but to kill his own brother. Thank God, eventually they reconciled, but not until they had had decades of pain and separation. You know, it got so bad. Not only did he take the birthright, but later on, he and his mother got in cahoots and robbed Esau of his blessing. By that time, Esau wanted nothing but to kill his brother. Rebecca said, Jacob, you have to leave. I'm sending you down to your uncle Laban's house. And you know what? When you don't deal with your stuff at home, wherever you go, your stuff goes. And you will reap what you sow. He went down to Laban's house and you know that story. He got down there, saw Rachel, said, the Lord is my shepherd. I see what I want. And Laban, that trickiness was all in the family. And Laban made him think he was going to get his daughter for seven years of service. It ended up being 14 years. What goes around comes around. You got to learn to deal with your stuff. Coming up next, the rest of today's message with Pastor Paul Shepard. He's senior pastor at Destiny Christian Fellowship in Fremont, California. Our website, PastorPaul.net, has recently been completely redesigned. It's the place to go to hear Pastor Paul's messages on demand, to find a host of great resources at our online store, and to access other digital content. That's PastorPaul.net. 
And no matter what went wrong in his life, Joseph never lost his faith. He was a man of dreams and a man of vision. With the rest of today's Destined for Victory message, Destined but Dysfunctional, here once again is Pastor Paul. So you got dysfunction in Abram, you got dysfunction in Isaac, and now here's Jacob who's been tricky most of his life. Now he's having children. One of them is Joseph. And what do you see? You see the same things going on. Number one, you see that there was parental favoritism in the way Jacob was raised. Remember, Rebecca loved Jacob. Isaac loved Esau. The fact is, both of them were their children. They were supposed to love them both. Do you know God didn't give you children for you to pick which one you like? Just because one has a personality that's more comfortable to you doesn't mean you have the right to say, now this is my child. That other one, I just, uh, whatever. <laughs> this is my one right here. That's dysfunctional. And they didn't have sense enough to know that in the prior generation. So when Jacob became grown, he parented like he was parented. He was parented by people who picked favorites. So this text tells you in Genesis 37, the dysfunction rolls right on. And now he becomes a parent. And the Bible says he loves one child, Joseph, more than all the others. The traits of parents are often the tendencies of their children. The principle here is the principle of exposure and influence. Here's the way I often state the principle of exposure. Some things are caught, not taught. Some things you catch by exposure. And that can be true positively, and it can be true negatively. You hang around the right people, you get exposed to the right things, they can bless you. You hang around the wrong folk, you get exposed to the wrong things, they can curse you. You got to understand this principle. Some things are caught, not taught. Most of us who are parents have heard ourselves say something to our children that we never expected to say. You know why you said it? Because you heard it. I remember growing up, some of my mother's lines, some of my father's lines, some of the things they would always get upset about, some of their little pet peeves. And I know as a child, I remember thinking, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know why they make such a big deal about that. When I grow up and get married and have my children, I'm not going to make such a big deal. Some of y'all see where I'm going. Because you've been there too. So we grew up. We had our children. And one day, we saw ourselves acting like our parents. Making a big deal over something our parents made a big deal over. Fussing about something our parents fussed about. Why? Some things are caught. You can have said, I will never say that to my children when I grow up. Doesn't matter that you said that. Because you caught something. See, look at the principle in the natural. You don't get a cold because someone took you into a classroom and taught you about a cold. You get a cold because you caught it. You were exposed to somebody. 
You didn't ask for it. It didn't ask for permission to come into your life. It doesn't operate on that level. Some things are just caught. Sometimes you're in a room and somebody is just sniffing and sneezing and carrying on and you're sitting there saying, oh my goodness, I don't need that right now. Why? Because you know the power of exposure. And here you are three days later and you feel the symptoms starting to kick in. Why? Some things are caught, not taught. That's why if you're going to make right decisions, you have to hang around the right people. You have to have the right exposure. And when it comes to family life, when there is dysfunction, when there is preferential treatment and all of those things, unless you confront it and stop it, you will pass that junk right on to the coming generations. So you got to be willing to see the patterns that are unhealthy and you've got to stop them. One of the ways my father blessed me the most with all of the ways he blessed me. He's the man under whose ministry I got saved and I was discipled under him and I started my vocational ministry training under him. My first full-time ministry position was being my dad's associate pastor. So I learned firsthand how to pastor from him. But he said to us as his children became adults, he said to us, one day he apologized to all of us. He said, I know I haven't been a great father in some areas. I know that I gave myself too much to ministry and what have you. And I, in some ways, while I always provided for my family, I wasn't there for you all in some ways. And I'm so sorry. And he said, I want you to learn not just from my strengths, but from my weaknesses. One of the greatest ways he blessed me is he gave me permission to learn from his imperfections. And so years later, when I came to pastor this church in 1989, I said to that small group of people I came to, now listen, I want you to understand what my priorities are going to be. I said, I want you to know that this church will be third place on my list of priorities. First will be my own walk with God. Secondly, I'm going to prioritize my family. And then third is the church. I said to them, do not ever ask me to sacrifice my family on the altar of pastoral ministry. Where did I get that? I got that because my dad gave me permission to learn from a man who had married his ministry. And it was ill-advised, well-intentioned, loved God, loved ministry, But he didn't know how to do it any other way. He was married to his work. That's why when his health broke and he was retired, he was a perfectly miserable retired pastor because all he knew was serving people. And he was perfectly miserable. My older brother succeeded him in the ministry there. And my dad just sat there and had to watch somebody else lead the church he had led for decades and didn't know how to handle it. But he had given me permission to learn from that. So now as I begin to think about one day retiring, I'm setting up things very differently. So that one day when I preach my farewell sermon, I'm going to hit the sunset. I'm going to say the Lord bless y'all and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Bye. Oh, I'll still love it. 
because of all the years I got to nurture this ministry, I'll still love it every now and then if the next pastor invite me to come back and preach a little special service or when he's going on vacation, I'll come back from my retirement home, fly on in and preach for y'all. But I don't plan to spend my life just pining and worrying about this ministry. Because God will put it in the hands that he raises up. And I'm going to move on. I see myself sitting under a palm tree with my computer writing letters of encouragement to my spiritual sons. I can see it now. Just sitting there, got my laptop right there, and I'm out there, the warm breezes are blowing on me, and I'm saying, be strong, my son. Why? Because I see from an example, he gave me permission, don't just follow my strengths, learn from my weaknesses. We have to do that. In all of our families, because if you don't stop dysfunction right here, right now, you inadvertently just pass it on. And the next generation is cursed by the things you didn't deal with properly. And Joseph now is raised in a dysfunctional family and it doesn't even feel dysfunctional. That's the thing about dysfunction. It just feels like life to you. Your family have knocked down drag outs. And y'all just call it a family gathering. (laughs) And none but Thanksgiving, that's all. People not speaking to one another and mad one another. This one won't come because that one's coming. And their kids always neglected. Why you put my kids at the little table and you know? Listen, we are called to be people of purpose and destiny. But destiny doesn't mean you don't have to deal with dysfunction. Destiny means you need to have the courage to confront some things and say, you know what? I want God to be honored, not just in spite of, but I want him to be honored because I have learned how to make better decisions and create a brighter future for myself and my family. Joseph never stopped believing in God's plan for his life despite the many twists and turns his life had taken. Maybe you know how he feels. Maybe you have long believed in a promise God gave you, but so far your life looks nothing like you thought it would. If that sounds like you, and if you need some encouragement today, you'll want to sign up for Pastor Paul's monthly letter of encouragement. Scroll to the bottom of our website, pastorpaul.net, to easily sign up. It's yours at no cost or obligation. And the website is pastorpaul.net. Here's something else. When you send a generous gift to Destined for Victory, we have a thank you gift of our own to share with you. The InterVarsity Press Study Guide, Joseph, How God Builds Character. Now, if you're like most people, your favorite part of a fairy tale is the happily ever after. But even in fairy tales, just like in real life, happiness often comes to us on the back end of adversity. In this outstanding resource, you'll take an in-depth look into the story of Joseph as a means to helping you see that God's plans for you will always be fulfilled. Again, it's called Joseph, How God Builds Character, and it's yours by request for your generous gift to Destined for Victory. Call 855-339-5500 or visit pastorpaul.net to make a safe and secure donation online. You can also mail your gift to Destined for Victory, 
Post Office Box 1767, Fremont, California, 94538. We must come to grips with the fact that although God uses dysfunctional people, God doesn't excuse dysfunction. Which means we have the onus on us to grapple with some things so that we can be fit for the master's use. That's tomorrow in Pastor Paul Shepard's message, Destined But Dysfunctional. But until then, remember, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. In Christ, you are destined for victory.